As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. To the Athletic Football Show. Today's Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm Robert Mays. Fun show for you guys today. A little bit later, our Niners writer at the Athletic, Matt Barrows, is going to join us for a check in from 49ers camp where I was earlier this week. Excited for you guys to hear that conversation. Before we do that, though, we got some news. A terrible time for news as every NFL writer in America is on a plane or in a car or doing something (laughs) like that over the last week. So there's a reason that it's a few hours since when this broke from when this broke until the way that we're going to respond to it. But to help me break down everything happening with the Dolphins investigation and the punishments handed out today, I am thrilled to welcome Yahoo's Charles Robinson. Charles, thanks for doing this, man. I know that you're in some nondescript hotel room somewhere in America the same way that I am. Yeah, I came out to Cleveland thinking, you know, this is the this is the big story this week, and there's been another story already in true NFL fashion. <laughs> the biggest story ever, which is, you know, or at least so far this this young preseason, obviously the Sean Watson suspension, but we can't even get to the appeal without another story sweeping it, uh, you know, under the rug at least for a moment now. Yeah, the the Miami Dolphins investigation was. I, I you and I were just talking about this. Like, I'm literally throwing some stuff in a suitcase about to head to the to the airport in Minneapolis and all of a sudden it hits my email and I'm like what the hell and I instantly I'm like oh my god this is a yeah this is a pretty big deal there's no doubt it's fascinating to be at a training camp practice when something like this happens where you just kind of feel it start to spread yeah. to everyone that's there yeah. I remember this happened a couple of times to me I remember being in Minneapolis when AJ Green got hurt Remember that when he was on that shitty right. practice field during Bengals camp? Yeah, yep. Just th- that news kind of trickling out. I remember that. It's always a really interesting phenomenon to kind of watch in real time. So for everyone who doesn't know, I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you probably know the nuts and bolts of this. The league handed out discipline today in rea- reaction to and in retaliation to the investigation that they did into the Dolphins over the last year or so since the Brian Flores lawsuit became public and since we started to understand the tanking allegations and everything that was mentioned in that lawsuit. Based on the league's findings, the Dolphins will forfeit their first-round pick in 2023, which is a huge thing to lose based on where this team is at. We can get into that a little bit later. And a third-round pick in the 2024 draft. 
Their owner, Stephen Ross, is suspended through the middle of October. Seems like a weird amount of time to be suspended. I don't really know why that would be the case, whether why it wouldn't be the whole year or a longer suspension. I guess we can get into that a little bit. He's not allowed to be at the Dolphins facility, may not represent the club at any team or event. He may not attend any league meeting prior to the annual meeting in 2023, and he is fined $1.5 million. There are some other things associated with this, but for the most part, those are the big-time allegations, the big-time punishments that have been handed out. When you saw this, Charles, what was your first reaction? Well, I thought the timing, as you said, the mid-October um, suspension into the regular season was interesting because it overlaps almost perfectly with Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Now, interesting. I mean, that's obviously a total conspiracy, but I, you know, I just think it's interesting that a six-game suspension gets handed down, and when you look at the exact time frame of when Stephen Ross would be allowed to return, it would be essentially, if the league doesn't appeal the Deshaun Watson decision by Sue Robinson, it would be essentially returning from suspension at the same time. Um, I, I, I guess what struck me is, I mean, there were a couple of different things. Number one, um, to have tampered with Tom Brady twice, you know, um, both with the, the New England Patriots and also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If I was Robert Kraft, I'd be pissed. If I was the yeah. Glazer family, I'd be pissed. You know, this is particularly Robert Kraft. You know, he was going through a difficult time trying to keep the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick marriage alive at that point. And, to have another fellow owner um, basically interfering in that marriage um, should really upset Robert Kraft. And I, I would tend to think that owners can be punitive. I'd be curious to know how Robert Kraft treats the situation um, moving forward. So I, that was interesting to me. And then really just kind of looking at the totality of it, I, I thought it was really interesting that essentially the league came out and said, hey, you know, um, this is me paraphrasing here, but everything that Brian Flores said basically was true, except that one thing that affects the integrity of our league, which is this idea that Stephen Ross brought up this, you know, $100,000 per loss, um, quote unquote, offer uh, to incentivize losing, which the league, I, I the language of it was so interesting. They didn't outright deny that something along those lines was said. They just kind of smudged whether everybody sort of understood what was being said. And oh, by the way, the owner wasn't serious and it wasn't received in a serious manner. I'm like, okay, so an owner just plops out this idea of incentivized losing. And by the way, the league also said, yeah, he he did also mention that he thought the draft position should take priority in the franchise. It's it's just really interesting that they validate everything that Brian Flores says, except for the one thing that fundamentally strikes at the cornerstone of the league actually being a viable non-fixed entity. When I read it, the idea that they're going to treat this with an LOL JK, he didn't really mean it as yeah. the rationale for why they're not punished for it is incredible. <laughs> and I think that goes to a larger conversation about how optics plays into this whole thing. This sort of stuff probably happens more than we think, where there are backroom dealings and people talking about these sorts of things. And the way the league summed up their findings today, they essentially said, the reason these punishments are so severe is that this was so brazen and unprecedented in how unrepentant they were about doing it right. that we had to punish them. So the only real reason this punishment is handed down with, and it's so strict is because it was so bold and so ridiculous what they were doing, and they weren't willing to punish them for the alleged tanking because, again, it makes the league look bad. So it was almost like, come on, guys. Like, really, you're going to do this? We have to kind of give you 
this sort of punishment because of how bad it is. So I think all of that, like the severity of it and how it makes the league look and when they have to step in on these sort of issues, that to me was one of my bigger takeaways from the entire reaction. Well, and the, and the fact that they pointed out, not only was it brazen, but it was the owner. An owner yeah. was brazenly involved in this. It wasn't a bunch of dead drops and burner phones and go-betweens, okay? There were other individuals obviously involved and another executive as well inside the Dolphins organization. But Stephen Ross took an active role in this, and and that's what the league made clear in this release. Um, I also thought it was interesting the league said, um, you know, uh, this idea of, of uh, draft priority, you know, draft taking, draft position taking priority over – I guess wins or losses. Um, Brian Flores had been concerned about that, and Stephen Ross never brought it up again. After Brian Ross did what? Put it into writing. I mean, like you're sitting there and you're going, "Okay, so yeah, that kind of makes sense. You would probably spook your owner if the owner is kind of giving you the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and then you're putting it literally in a memo inside the building." that, hey, this is happening and now I'm uncomfortable about this. Yeah, that'll shut the owner up pretty quickly because they know at that point what's on the line. But, you know, as you said, I mean, just the brazen nature of it. I I actually thought, I'll be real with you, I thought a first and a third was light. I absolutely yeah. thought it was light because I, not only did you tamper with Tom Brady twice in two different franchises, you tampered with Sean Payton, the head coach. So you basically, in a way, you tampered with three different organizations over a series of years. Okay, it wasn't just, hey, a one time thing, you kind of were off your rocker for one summer and you and you, you know, take your shot. No, this happened in 2019, and then it happened again in 2021 in this big, you know, sort of elaborate sense. And in the process of all this, it also outed another thing. Tom Brady's retirement was bullshit. It was yeah. to- it was total bullshit. It's all out now. Everybody knows now what happened. This is the league lending credence to everything that had been put out there about, hey, there were some hijinks going on. With Brady and the Dolphins, yep, that's exactly what happened. It also the next what that makes me think about is what's going to happen after this season. Like, yep. what does this mean about if Brady wants to kind of control where he may be able to go next? Right. If he does want an ownership stake with a team, if he wants his next act to maybe include having some sort of position within an organization while also getting to play quarterback, are we going to get to a point next off season where if he wants to play? It's open season where somebody's going to try to give him a ridiculous offer in order to coax him to their team. And the same with Sean Payton. Like the fact that these guys were potentially available and they would even almost entertain these sort of options and these sort of roads. What does this mean for next spring? That's the first place my mind goes. Yeah, I thought initially when um, before the findings of this investigation came out, it was one of the things that we sort of talked about, like on the podcast. I think I might have written about it months ago was... um, hey, this may not be over um, in terms of Brady and the Dolphins. Like, you know, just because this appears to have been scuttled at that time, my thought process was, well, you know, the Dolphins are loading up. They bring in Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, you, you have a, a set of or you at least have two wideouts there that play very much into the kind of strengths that Brady brings to the table. You're retooling and it would be a very I still I still think a very attractive position if Tom Brady decided, hey, free agency. I want to take another bite at the apple. And and even though it might be Mike McDaniel, not Sean Payton, that's still a, a, a destination for me, potentially, in Miami. Remember, he has a home, obviously, in Florida, um, near, not far. I think it's like, I literally think it's less than a half an hour. I think it's like a 20-minute you know, drive or 20 miles from the Miami Dolphins facility, he and Giselle. And, but now, with this, 
I don't know. I think I think given the level of involvement that was exposed here, you have to feel like that was probably iced. And maybe it played into, obviously, the television deal that Tom Brady's got in place now. It gives him options in case if, if he really wants to go to Miami and it's completely off the table now because of the look, the optics of it. Um, he's, you know, obviously got a television deal waiting there for him, or as you said, any other number of franchises that now know, maybe we only need to carve off a piece of management for Tom Brady at some point to get him to come here and play quarterback in 2023. Kind of reading the tea leaves and picking up the breadcrumbs with San Francisco and my, with San Francisco and Tom Brady, if Kyle Shanahan wanted him as part of what they were doing offensively, now Mike McDaniel's in Miami, the fit there potentially makes sense. And now the question becomes, what are the Dolphins going to do at quarterback? Because I literally had a conversation with Lindsey Jones this morning, and we were talking about, all right, if Tua doesn't work out, the Dolphins have two first-round picks next year. They'd right. have the ammunition right. to potentially go <laughs> not chase. Not anymore. <laughs> it, not anymore. I mean, that, and that's a huge deal yeah. because them having that potential pivot point next year, if Tua doesn't work out and they say, all right, we want to trade up for someone, or is it going to be like it's been the last couple of years where one or two of these veteran guys shakes loose and we can go make a play for somebody? sapping 50% of your high-level resources to do something like that, that's a real ding to your long-term planning if you're the Dolphins. Yeah, and by the way, Tyreek Hill's opinion aside, that now means that your former head coach, Brian Flores, tried to replace you with Deshaun Watson, and it means your owner tried to replace you with Tom Brady. So your owner, and albeit former head coach, but still, those are two very important individuals inside the franchise. You have to think, you know, Chris Greer, obviously the general manager there, He's along, he's in the side pocket for this entire thing. So not great if you're Tua sitting there thinking, okay, well, it feels like my owner doesn't like me. Although, okay, well, geez, he was trying to replace me with Tom Brady at least. And, you know, Deshaun Watson's a hell of a player, albeit with, you know, plenty of issues um, swirling around him right now. But yeah, Tua, I would say that the, the writing's on the wall, but in a weird way, as you said, this might help him because it takes an asset off of the table that would have given them, I think, an opportunity, depending on where they would have fallen in the draft, to have two first-round picks. So let's say, you know, the season doesn't pan out the way that they want it. Um, You know, if if they're in a certain position with their own pick, you know, you can package those picks, try to move up into another spot. But now that's taken off the table and in a weird way sort of strengthens the ability of Tua to stick because the Miami Dolphins can't move off of them quite as easily. Do you feel worse about Mike McDaniel's prospects there in the light of this? Um, No, I mean, I, I don't look at what, whatever was going to happen with Mike McDaniel before this. I mean, I don't, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to change after this. Right. I mean, it's football, football's football. He's there. Um, You know, it's, it's not going to change the offense. It's at least yeah. not in 2022, right. He's still got the pieces that he's got. Um, The scheme's going to be the scheme. The quarterback's going to be the quarterback. So whatever he was going to do in 2022, that that doesn't change. Obviously, moving forward, his ability to make a change at quarterback, that's what is necessary. Um, you know, that that's that's now changed. But um, it's it, – it, I have to – if I'm him, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, I don't have anything to do with this. I'm glad like this isn't – you know, and, and I have a job, frankly, because of the fact that the Sean Payton situation didn't work out. That's now kind of my job. question, though. Does he feel kind of shitty about being a consolation prize or it's like, whatever, I got one of 32 jobs. I'll, I'm going to take this and run with it. I, I, I don't understand either way. I mean, I, I, I would say yes, except for and, and I would put two in the same boat. Like 
Sean Payton's not a nothing coach, right? I mean, like it's a he is a, a coveted coach. I granted one one Super Bowl. You can you know say whatever you want. Sean Payton is a very good football coach. We like Sean Payton right. on this podcast. Yeah, he's a very good football coach. I think you can feel okay going, hey, it's a track record guy. I get it. And oh, by the way, you were doing it in a package sense. You're trying to bring in Sean Payton and Tom Brady, who, by the way, Sean Payton wanted in New Orleans when he thought, hey, you know, Drew Brees might retire a year earlier than he did. Drew Brees might go into television a year earlier than he did. We're going to make a run at Tom Brady. Well, Drew didn't retire. So Sean Payton was never able to put that run together. This all makes sense. Donnie's the agent for both of them. Clearly, Donnie gets named in this investigation. So he was a conduit in all of this. I don't think if you're Tua or, um, you know, if you're being replaced by Tom Brady, you're being replaced by Sean Payton. If you're either of those individuals, you're sitting there going, yeah, it doesn't feel great, but at least they're known commodities and people that are going to be at least we're coveted this year. And, and Sean Payton, whenever he comes back, is going to be a $20 million a year coach. Whoever hires him. I mean, that's a fascinating shift in the landscape. It is these that a coach like that becoming so in vogue and in demand now because of the TV money and just the, the different avenues that these guys have. I think that's going to be a subplot that's definitely worth paying attention to and keeping track of. The, the last thing, it, it, let's say this had happened. I mean, can you imagine what the reaction would have been like and how the world would have burnt down if this actually happened last winter. It's insane to think about. Well, if the thing is though, if it had happened, um, the Buccaneers clearly knew this was going on. Okay. And, and I, I have said this before and I'll go ahead and repeat it. The Buccaneers knew enough about what was going on that down the stretch last year, particularly once the season had ended, what I was told was that they essentially said to the dolphins, knock the shit off. Like, what's going on right now? Just, you know, you need to knock it off. But the Buccaneers also were, were walking the tightrope there. Tom Brady, obviously, is still their quarterback. They want Tom Brady to come back. They're not going to out Tom Brady in anything, you know. And so that's why when things kind of hit the fan and, uh, you know, it's Tom Brady on retiring and all these stories get out there, the Buccaneers kept their mouth shut. And if anything, they backed Tom Brady and said, you know, we don't know, at least publicly, public facing. They pretended they didn't know anything about this. What I think the reality is they knew there was some hijinks going on in the background. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to out Tom Brady in the middle of this. You need him back. So you just sort of let it unravel and, and the league ultimately do what they did. I, I do want to ask you this, though. I think it's interesting that when all this comes down, the league makes it very clear. The punishment's on the Dolphins. We're not touching Tom. and We're not touching Sean, Br- Sean Payton. I was going to ask you like, what you thought of that. I don't, it sounds like collaborators, right? I mean, I don't <laughs> I mean, to me, like, you know, who who doesn't get hit in things like this? It's the people who collaborate. So I almost have to wonder, did Tom, I mean, did Tom basically cop to it? Did Sean Payton cop to it? Or at the very least, did Don Yee cop to it and say, yeah, you know what? I was the one that was kind of in the middle of this. The league really has no sway over Don Yee one way or another. They can't touch him as an agent. Um, but, I, I, you know, to me, it's the collaborators who get off the hook. And there's no doubt that Sean Payton and Tom Brady were off the hook in this room. It's helpful that Tanya you can kind of jump on the grenade here, right? right he can absolutely. just say, like, I was the yep. go-between. I was the one that was doing all the communication. Yep. That makes sense to me. I- I'm curious on the Tom Brady side of this. Do you think that the fake retirement and all of this nonsense that ultimately went down, the prevailing wisdom was that he wasn't necessarily happy in Tampa. The relationship with Arians maybe had deteriorated a little bit. Do you think maybe that's a little bit overstated and it's more about the fact that he wanted to go to Miami? Or do you think some of that underlying tension in Tampa was real and is still something to consider when you think about the dynamics that are moving forward? 
I think both. I think it was okay. both. You know, I don't I don't think it's one thing or another. I think, you know, Tom, there was there's no question in my mind that, that he was frustrated at times with he and Byron Leftwich working closely together on certain functionality in the offense and then kind of Bruce being somebody who came in on the back end of a week and and applying himself into game plans where I think Tom was sort of like, wait a minute, if you're going to be on board with this, be on board on Monday. Okay, don't be on board on Thursday. And um, so I do think there was an element of frustration there. But I, I also think there was an element of Miami being attractive to Tom, an executive position being attractive to Tom. I think he would have gotten partial ownership of the Miami Dolphins at some point in, in if that whole thing had unfurled the way it was going to. I think that was attractive to him. And then, you know, I think also the idea of being coached by Sean Payton and Stephen Ross and Tom Brady having those Michigan ties wasn't the first time that they talked to each other in 2019. I mean, they've known each other for a while. Okay. And they've run in some of those same circles. Okay. Um, not to get political here or anything, but obviously Stephen Ross, Donald Trump, the whole New York real estate scene, some of Tom's orbit has fallen into that same thing long before, you know, Donald Trump was ever president and long before, you know, Stephen Ross ever became infamous in this situation. You know, I think these are people that, that Tom knew and, and at times probably hobnobbed with, um, you know, in the off seasons. And, you know, so there were some elements of this being attractive to him that, that I can understand, particularly if ownership comes out of this, at least partial ownership comes out of this. Yeah. Again, I think that this sort of rich guy bullshit probably occurs more than we yeah, like to think lot. it occurs, <laughs> but, <laughs> be, <laughs> but because it was so brazen, that's why these punishments get handed down. And uh, so we'll see what happens with Miami. We'll see what happens with Tom Brady. And now I am fascinated to see what might happen next spring. Is there a team? Tom Brady's going to be a free agent next spring. Yeah. Sean Payton isn't going to be a free agent, but Sean Payton's going to be available to coach. Is there some team that looks at this situation and thinks, this is our shot? Like, we can take a run at both of these guys if he still wants to play because he clearly would be interested in playing for Sean Payton. And what would that ultimately look like if a team tried to do this again? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, the if you bring it in Sean, you're looking at a longer window. But the initial kick of it, obviously, if you think that you can pair him with Brady is, okay, we get this initial window, maybe it's a year or whatever, and then what does our longer window look like behind that? I think you'd have to sit down and really look at the franchises that are geared up for that. And, you know, it would have to be a Tampa situation where all they are is maybe a head coach and a quarterback away from turning the key on a roster. The rest of the roster better be pretty damn good. Um, but I will say this. I mean, look what's happening in, in Tampa right now. I mean, he's lost basically the entire interior of his offensive line. There's some questions moving forward on what's going to happen with Tampa. So if he wants to play beyond this season, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he looks and says, hey, is there one more shot elsewhere where maybe I'm the right guy and you know, keep, keep an eye on, I, I guess, like I said, a team that needs a quarterback and, and, uh, and a head coach and, and a head coach for the next 10 years and maybe a quarterback right now that can make it. Definitely going to be fun to watch. I cannot believe this just happened. I can't believe this entire story was real. And I, I can't believe it was real. But the fact that it was as real as, as it seems to be based on the punishments. And it's just a wild NFL story. Well, the that, league, uh, Robert, Robert, the league did. Like, that's the thing is that I remember when this, this was going. I mean, it was funny because you almost forget about it. Like a month ago, the criticism I heard was it's just going to be another one of those, you know, bullshit investigations. Nothing's going to come out of it or it's going to be minimal. 
And I kind of, I got so fixated on what was going on with Deshaun Watson. I had like basically forgotten about other than to raise the question like, hey, what's going on with that? Which had been brought up every time Roger Goodell spoke. The question was put out there like, where's the process in this? It was never anything but a vague answer. So, you know, I assume people in the league who were kind of rolling their eyes at it knew what they were talking about. And we've been through this before, right? We've seen this before. This feels a little bit different, even though I still think that first and the third is a little bit light. And it's very convenient that the most damaging part of this from a league integrity standpoint, from a gambling standpoint, um, from, you know, just an authenticity standpoint is the one part that they said, ah, that, I don't know, we could really validate that. that. That seems off. Yeah, that part of it definitely seems to fit with what we expect right, from the NFL right. at this point. Charles Robinson, thank you very much for taking the time out during a busy travel schedule. I know how wild this time of the year is for you. So really appreciate it, my friend. And we will talk to you very soon. Yeah, it'll be swept off the front page. What, let's see, it's uh, we got about two days and then we're going to find out. <laughs> we're going to return to the Sean Watson story and this will get tucked back into the background again. And then maybe there will be football sometime down the road. Not That's, that it's the most important thing, but it, right. uh, apparently it's supposed to be going on right now. So, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, it's time now to check in from Niners Camp with one of our 49ers writers at The Athletic, Matt Barrett. Matt, really good to see you. Appreciate you doing this. Good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. This is your uh, your, your California uh, end of your tour, right? Just ending the California stretch today. I will fly to Denver tonight. Uh, it's been great so far. was excited to come to Niners Camp for a lot of different reasons, but mostly just because it's really new. Like, there's so many new faces here, not only a quarterback, but you just look at the position coaches today. Yeah. Anthony, you forget that Anthony Lynn is now here as the running backs coach. They have a new tight ends coach this year. The run game coordinator is different this year than it was for when Mike McDaniel was here. They have a new passing game coordinator this year. Brian Greasy's the quarterback's coach. And you combine that with new guys on the offensive line. It, I think that we see this team as kind of a mainstay in the NFC, and rightfully so. When they've been healthy, they've been good under Kyle Shanahan. But I don't know about you, but for me, it was kind of jarring to get here and be like, man, there's a lot of new here that I maybe wouldn't have thought before digging a little bit deeper. Yeah, there's a lot of talent on this roster, but it's all resting. Sort of the, the fulcrum for the season is resting on Trey Lance and and on uh, an interior line that is basically brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of responsibility on that group. And as you noted, there's a new 
run game coordinator, Mike McDaniel, now the head coach in, in Miami. And, and really, it's Chris Furster, the offensive line coach, who's sort of taken on that McDaniel-like role. So, um, and, you know, that, that's another thing that was sort of the, the foundation for this team. Everything was built off of the running game. So, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, on paper, you see all the talent, Debo Samuel, um, in camp today, practicing. Brandon Ayuk had a nice day. Um, you know, your George Kittles, the, the defense, everything else. But, you know, there's a, there's a very um, sort of uh, touchy part to this, which is that quarterback and interior line uh, that we just, just just don't know about right now. And, and uh, you know, everything stems from that. Let's start with the quarterback. Obviously, it's been an up and down few days, a lot of interceptions, a lot of turnovers. I think some of that stuff can be overstated during camp. I think, that, you know, Kyle was talking about it today during his press conference. Like maybe eventually I'll get upset about that. I'm not upset about it yet. Right. And even the feel to the offense right now just seems very different than it had been in years past. I talked to Kyle Juszczyk after practice, and the extended play side of this, and what is available to them, both down the field and late in downs. That's going to be probably the biggest difference, right. just the way the offense feels. But at the same time, some of the on-schedule stuff is maybe a little bit messier than it has been over yeah. the last few years. So how would you characterize what the early Trey Lance debut starting camp has been like? I, I think that was a great way to do it. The on-schedule stuff has been difficult because of what we just talked about. I mean, uh, Aaron Banks is the new... Uh, right guard, you've got a question mark at center with uh, Jake Brendel. He of three career starts is, has been the, the main first-team center. Uh, Spencer Burford, a, a fourth-round pick, is is the right guard. So uh, Trey Lance has had to learn how to, to shuffle yeah. in the pocket. And, and I thought he actually did a pretty good job of that today. Um, so it, it's been rough. Um, he hasn't been able to set his feet. Um, yeah, the, the on-schedule stuff, as you noted, that has been sort of like clockwork with Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been so. And, and, and I don't think it's, uh, all Trey Lance. I, I think there's probably a percentage that's him and not Garoppolo. Um, but, uh, you're right. The, uh, the off-schedule stuff, and we saw this happen today with, with Lance taking off a few times out of the pocket. Um, you know, uh, there were at least four or five scrambles today. So uh, that, that's one thing that I've noted. There hasn't been a lot of design runs for Trey Lance. He's run the ball a lot, but it's him vacating the pocket. Um, and then something else we saw today, which was a long down-the-sideline completion to Brandon Ayuk, I, I thought was probably Trey Lance's, uh, certainly his, his best or his biggest throw uh, of, of, the, uh, of the practices so far. Certainly got the biggest rise out of the crowd they haven't had much to, ch- to cheer about with him <laughs> uh, but that's something that you rarely saw with jimmy garoppolo he just would not uncork that pass and i think it's something that the iukes the kittles all of those guys use check he could get free on a wheel route and just be <laughs> downfield all by himself at some point uh, uh, trey lance has the arm to sort of take advantage of those those broken plays and that wasn't even a broken play I don't no think. that I was think a, that was just him, play. him yeah. hitting his drop and letting that thing rip right which is also encouraging right, right. And, and he did not it, that wasn't a well-blocked play either i mean he <laughs> threw that with with arms and people hanging off of him which has been the theme so far but i mean my point is that slowly over the and, and it's so early uh but he has seemed to settle down a little bit from practice to practice um, he wouldn't have made that throw uh, a few days ago, but he uncorked it today, and it was a it was a really nice play. 
When you move from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance, and we're talking about this in theoretical terms, yeah. the move is from something you know and something that has been reliable. When they've been healthy, they've been a top five, seven-ish offense, but it's been a very specific kind of offense where you have to live inside the structure. It's a lot of yak, and it's a lot of what can the design provide for me, and can Jimmy Garoppolo keep that design on the tracks? When you make the move to go get Trey Lance, the hope is, just again, theoretically, can we live outside the design and have it raise our ceiling? Can we do different things on offense that even if there are some growing pains, we are going to get to a place and have things available to us that weren't with the type of quarterback that Jimmy Garoppolo is? Today, that wasn't theoretical. You saw it laid plain. It's yeah. exactly what it feels like in real time. And I think seeing that experiment play out is going to be absolutely fascinating as it relates to this team. There's just more there with, with Trey Lance. I mean, the, the arm, the running. Um, and um, you're right. The, the question is whether the, the, the peaks and valleys are, are certainly going to be sharper this year. Yeah. But obviously, the, the, the long-term plan is that the, the peaks um, start to outnumber the valleys. And um, you have that rushing element. And we haven't even talked about read option or anything like that. They can do that at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, Kyle Shanahan, and he sort of touched on this today, um, and, and Trent Williams touched on it as well. I mean, this is a really good summer school for, for Trey Lance. Yeah. He's going against what could be the best defense in the league every day. He's learning how to deal with pressure. I mentioned the, the shuffling. He was doing that uh, a lot in the red zone uh, today, shuffling either to his right or his, his left. So moving away from the pressure and keeping his head up and looking into the end zone, that's what, that's, uh, you know, in crunch time in December and January, those are the throws that, you know, decide whether you're you're moving on or you're uh, playing golf for the rest of the offseason. <laughs> so uh, the more work he gets, uh, the more comfort, I guess, is the best word, uh, the more comfortable he feels in those situations the better, and um, you know that's what real, really playing. That's what you know. Tom Brady has made a a multi multi decade career doing the slight shuffle to buy that extra time, keeping his head downfield and making that throw. That's what makes you a Hall of Fame quarterback, really. The defense has really brought a certain feel, even just the one practice that I watched. I think there's it's a couple different layers to it. We know the pass rush is going to be really good, and we know it's going to be a deep group. Some injuries at defensive tackle right now, but the edge group is the fact that Samson Ekubam and you know now Drake Jackson coming in and seemingly going to get some work with the ones and be a real part of that entire rotation. You extend back to the linebackers. We know how good they are. And then watching Charvarius Ward today, it feels like because him coming from Kansas City, they play a lot of press man coverage with the Chiefs, and it wasn't structurally similar to the defense that the Niners have played over the last few years. But it seems like they're going to let him be really aggressive in the way that they're playing some of those quarters looks and things like that. So when you combine that physicality, aggressiveness on the back end with the way they play on the front end, that entire group looks really, really good. I'm wondering where you think we should be worried about them. Instead of just penciling them in as like a top five defense, if you were looking at where the cracks in the foundation might be, where would you start on that side of the ball? I mean, it, it's it's a great question, and I'm sort of racking my brains for it. I mean, the the rap on this type of defense coming in when Chris Kacerik took over at defensive line went for this 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 wide on this very aggressive up the field defensive front was that oh it's it leaves some um, room uh, for for rushers you get yeah. a little bit over aggressive and 
there, there's a sort of a, a middle area that that defenses are able to exploit. Well, that didn't really happen. It hasn't happened. Year. Yeah. No. Uh, so um, uh, that you know, obviously injuries can occur, and they have so far at defensive tackle. Uh, no Eric Armstead, no Hassan Ridgeway, and I think Ridgeway is sort of going to be there. Uh, run stuffer isn't the right word. I don't know if anybody has one of those in, in, in the NFL anymore, but he's sort of their biggest guy. So th- that could be an issue if um, if injuries continue to hit that spot. But really, they, they've shored up a lot of areas. I mean, the, the difference between this team and previous incarnations of this um, this defense is, um, is the cornerback spot. They've got aggressive, press-caliber um, cornerbacks there. Uh, and Charvarius Ward has been the best player on the field so far in camp. Uh, I don't even think it's close. And, you know, the, the next guy up might be Emmanuel Mosley, who's the other cornerback. And the next guy after that might be Nick Bosa, the defensive end. And all three of those guys are obviously working in concert here. Uh, but that's what D'Amico Ryans wanted. I think he wanted to do this last year, uh, which was combine that, that fearsome pass rush, combine having Bosa and Armstead on the field with – Press coverage, uh, which would lead to um, uh, uh, interceptions and, and takeaways, and really wasn't able to do that. Jason Verrett got hurt in week one. Cornerback was a real issue for this team basically throughout the season. They had to force a couple of rookies in. Um, and uh, That's the nice part about this, right, is that no Amber Thomas, guys like that, are bumped further down the depth chart. Well, yeah, they're, they're, the, two, they're the twos right now, yeah. and, and they were the ones for, for big portions of last year. Um, so I don't think Ryan's could really play what he, you know, ideally wanted. Um, certainly on the on the back end. Now they're they're doing that, and I think they've got eleven picks in these first five uh, practices, and that's the exact number they had through all the training camp last year. Uh, so we haven't even gotten a week in, and and they've already um, uh, duplicated that that total. Some of that is Trey Lance, I'm sure. Nick Sud- uh, Sudfeld has uh, thrown the most of that group, uh, but I think it's mainly because you've got a, an over uh, a much more aggressive defense, especially on the back end. Yeah, you could feel that even in one on ones, and they were just locking guys down, and just the physicality, the hand usage, all of that stuff. It seems like again, Traverse Ward played that way in Kansas City, and bringing over that kind of play style, it makes sense that they would want that on offense. Outside of Trey Lance, obviously being the biggest question. The fact that they're just going to roll out a fourth-round rookie potentially as their starting right guard, and it seems like he has a, a real inside track to win that job. I did not know that before arriving here today, and I watched him a decent amount today. It makes sense. He looks comfortable out there. He's playing aggressive. It doesn't look He doesn't look out of place as yeah. a fourth-round rookie with that starting offensive line. I'm sure because of the other turnover, with Brendel now playing center, Banks being there at left guard, that entire interior group being different and inexperienced, sure there will be some fits and starts. But based on one day against that Niners defensive line, it felt like he's not going to be as much of a glaring problem as you might think. Yeah, and, and um, we, we really don't have a lot of insight into him yet. I mean, uh, fourth round pick, uh, haven't seen very many practices with him. Trent Williams comments today after practice about um, you know just how um, un- unaffected uh, he's been. Uh, he's got a confidence about him. He doesn't know... Uh, he, he's not worried yet about uh, about those things, and sometimes that's that's a great thing. Absolutely, um, it is. You know, especially at that of, position, because as long as you're playing fast, right? As yeah, long as you're right. playing and unafraid to make a mistake, right. I think that's probably the right way to do it. There was a red zone drill 
where he jumps at a, a defensive tackle really aggressively and clearly is just trying to mix some stuff up and try things. And for a young player to be as confident in doing that as he seemed to be in that moment in the run game, firing off the ball. Again, I don't know how it's going to go, yeah. but it's not like you're sitting out there watching that guy and thinking he's out of place. That, that's not how it felt at all today. There's definitely a bit of ignorance is bliss uh, thing going totally, on with yes. him right now, which, <laughs> which is great. And I think Trent Williams kind of likes that too because uh, he is playing confidently. And when you play confidently, you play aggressively. Um, you know, he, he played at uh, UTSA and played offensive tackle and was really good in space. And so, you know, this has been sort of a, I don't want to say an issue with the 49ers, but they draft a lot of these college tackles with the, um, the guys that can move. design yeah. of moving them to, yeah. to guard. But what's happened is that they've had some issues at tackle injuries. And so a lot of these guys, Jalen Moore, Colton McKivitz, have done, the, okay, we'll play a couple practices at guard, a couple practices at tackle. It's sort of hedging their bets because they, they need to have that depth. So Burford's the first guy who's come in in that situation who's taken exclusive tackles at guard, and I think it's starting to pay off now. And so, um, yeah, so you have this dynamic where the week one guards could be a guy uh, in Aaron Banks who played exactly five offensive snaps last year. That was lower than any second-round pick last year um, other than, um, who was it, the uh, uh, the Bucks drafted the uh, the QB out of Kyle Florida. Trask, yeah. Yeah, Trask. Yeah. And he was the number three. Yeah. You don't expect him to yes. play on, on Tom Brady's team. So that that was a kind of alarming to us that, oh boy, he's you know, it's not like they had the guard position sealed down last year. They had Brunskill playing right guard. Um and then the other guy could end up being Burford, who's played obviously zero uh, uh, NFL snaps to this point. This is a very optimistic view of this, especially after losing Alex Mack, who brings that veteran presence on the inside. There is a world where their guards are actually as good or better this year. And because if Burford can step in and give them a body type at that right guard spot that they did not have when Brunskill was in there, it just seems like Brunskill being that if we have a hole at center where he's working with the second team, if we need a swing tackle, the fact that he can fill in in multiple spots, that feels like a better solution for him than relying on him as your starting right guard for most of the season the way they did last year. And then with Banks, I thought it was really notable that Trent Williams today said his body just looks totally different from year one to year two. Because if you're trying to build a case for optimism as to why after missing entire, essentially his entire rookie year, Aaron Banks could go from a non-factor to a reliable player, I think that coming in and being different physically is probably a pretty good place to start. Uh, Trent Williams said that Banks has been one of the better offensive linemen so far yeah. in camp. That is not something you would have heard last year. Banks was a real liability. I, re- I remember... Uh, Maurice Hirsch, defensive tackle, veteran, savvy, quick off the ball, just abusing him. Um, uh, pass protection was a real issue for Banks last year, and I think that's what made them squeamish about playing him. Um, and, uh, you know, he hasn't been perfect. There have been some false starts here and there, but he has not been the the reason Trey Lance has been vacating the pocket as much. Um, it's been more of the tackles, and that's because Williams and McGlinchey weren't uh, weren't in the lineup early on, and, and that's starting to settle down a little bit. Uh, but Banks has not been the weak link, and he certainly was a weak link a year ago at this time. Some news yesterday leading into today. Debo Samuel gets his extension. Debo Samuel practices today as a result. Kyle Shanahan was talking about it this morning, essentially saying, this is the timing we kind of expected. 
that it would be right before the pads came on and you know it's such a unique situation where the same agent is handling so many of these deals and that's why the sequencing of them has been important because Debo wasn't going to take less than AJ Brown and DK Metcalf were going to take based on his production last year so it almost needed to happen where those guys got paid and then his contract was a response to that and I thought that what Kyle said about the decision to do it was really interesting and that yes there are different ways to do this where you can decide not to pay a receiver and try to go find one in the draft but when you have one that you know is good it's worth betting on that guy how do you how much do you feel like this outcome where he got a contract in line with those other guys this was resolved amicably. He was going to be a part of their plans moving forward. Did you see this as the likely end result of this entire saga? I, I did. What I didn't foresee was the the April blow up yeah. where he asked for a trade. Um, you know, I, I I knew it was going to be difficult. You know, Kittles was initially they got it done. They uh, uh, got Warner's done at the last minute. Um, and, and I say that because everything was going so well for for Debo and this team throughout 2021, through the playoffs, he was, I call him the indispensable man. I mean, he was their best wide receiver for half the season. Then they really ran into issues at running back, and he became their best running back um, in the second half and was their their lifeblood, their their thumping heart um, in, in, the, in the postseason. I mean, um, he brings a, a, you know, a passion. I call him a force of nature, and he just sort of yeah, you need that, especially in the playoffs when it's just brutal and it's and it's a uh, it's a fist fight. Um, and he brings that, and so that's why uh, you know this they were playing games in into almost into February, and then just three months later he's asking for a trade. I don't know what the heck happened? Everything was going so beautifully, um, and you know the the Forty Nine ers take on it was we just need to bring him back. He just needs to be around our coaches around his teammates, um, and it won't seem so um, uh, uh, full of, uh, you know, excitement, I guess. Uh, agitation is, is probably the, be- the best word. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. He did come back in the spring, and uh, it looked like he was the Debo of old. He didn't, he didn't take part in any of those practices, but he, he hung around. He threw passes to teammates on the sideline. He threw passes to Kyle Shanahan's son. He was barking at the defense like he always does. It, it, he was a part it of it. Like he just he just needed to be here and, and know that he was going to be taken care of ultimately, and that's exactly what happened. Last thing before we get out of here is this: the Brandon Ayuk year is is it finally going to happen? Because he caught that forty yarder from Wentz today. He had a ridiculous catch in traffic over Ward in one of those red zone periods. It's impossible to watch one of these practices and not come away thinking that guy is incredibly talented. And it just feels like maybe with Lance, maybe with the type of offense that is now available to them, we see him really hit his stride as a part of this team and this offense this year. He's having the type of offseason that Debo had last year, which is you're coming off a year. Debo's 2020 was was bad. Broke his foot in June on the COVID list a couple of times. It was very disjointed and unsatisfactory for him. Uh, But he went into 2021 healthy and was a man on a mission and that turned into, you know, the greatest season that we've seen from a wide out in a long time. Ayuk is having the same type of offseason. Healthy, was hanging out with Trey Lance for most of it, has become good friends with Lance. It never hurts to be uh, best friends with, with, the, with the guy who's delivering you the ball. Um, and um, I'm on, uh, you know, fantasy football t- 
types of shows every now and then, and they ask, you know, who's the one guy who's going to break out? And I always go with Ayuk um, because of that. I, I think that he's put himself in the right position. Injuries can happen, this, that, and the other, but he seems to get it now and what he has to do, which is, you know, he's going against Charvarius Ward. I mean, we're talking about Lance sort of um, being forged uh, through fire to, to become a better quarterback. Uh, Ayuk is doing the same thing. A- any catch that he makes is contested. He's yeah, got, both of them today He's were. got number 35 draped all over him. <laughs> um, and 35 wins a lot of them, and, and 11 wins some of them as well. But I'm, I'm telling you, he's not going to be facing that caliber all throughout you know, in, in all 17 games. Uh, I, I think he is, like I said, positioning himself at the very least to have a very, very strong year. There it is. There's your actionable mugget that you guys are getting. There you go. Yeah. This conversation. Draft Brandon Ayuk higher than your buddies. Matt Barrows, thank you very, very much for the time. Really good to see you. Really good to meet you. I think in person yeah. for the first time. So. I've seen you. Uh, we've done we've done zooms, and you have your your ball cap on. Usually, you're not wearing a ball cap today. I did not recognize you <laughs> when you came in. Most people know me either through a zoom screen or know me by what my voice sounds like, and I think I've, I've become okay with that. I've come to terms <laughs> with it. So, but it's great to see you. Thank you very much for spending the time. Thanks for having me on. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, that's all we got. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you to Matt Barrows. We were going to have Lindsay on today to chat about the guys we think have the most to lose or gain in the NFL this season. Dolphins News preempted that. So we'll be having Lindsay on tomorrow. Very excited about that conversation. Please check back on that. 
In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. Training camp is going on. You can check in on everything that we have going on at The Athletic NFL. Please grab a subscription if you don't have one. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.